This is Cast Club Radio. Brought to you by Heritage Distilling. On Cast Club Radio, we believe every spirit has a story. And stories like good drinks are always better when shared with friends. Each week, we'll explore the intersection of cocktails, spirits, beer, wine, and life. It's Cast Club Radio. Here's your hosts, Lydia Cruz and Justin Stiefel. Good afternoon. Welcome to another episode of Cast Club Radio. Thank you so much for joining us on this holiday weekend. It's the best of everything. We had Thanksgiving. We had an exciting Apple Cup. Now, today, we're getting all of our holiday shopping done, right? Because it's uh, Small Business Saturday. That's right. By the way, I'm Lydia Cruz. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, I'm Justin Stiefel. (laughs) And I'm Maura Dooley. I'm just so excited. I even forgot uh, to introduce ourselves. <laughs> Skip the intro. That's okay. That's good. We, we know who you are. Yeah. Is everybody uh, checking stuff off on their list this weekend? Are you guys the type to look for a bargain this weekend? Yeah, I think, you know, majority of the country today, they're out shopping or sitting at home recovering from digesting turkey and ham and <laughs> mm-hmm. whatever they had. And they're doing research for Monday, which is, of course, Cyber Monday. And that's yeah. that now becomes the largest shopping day of the year in the U.S. Yeah, I'm not going to go. I've never done the Black Friday wait in line thing, but the cyber shopping I, I will get in on. Exactly. And Small Business Saturday, too, is a nice balance of the two because you don't really have to be a part of the huge crowds on Friday, but you can still get out and support your local business. Heritage Distilling being one of those businesses that you can walk into in Gig Harbor or one of your many locations. Yeah, Small Business Saturday is something that was started by American Express, the credit card company. They started this uh, about four, five, four or five years ago. And it started off as a way to reward their members, where if you shopped at a small business that, that participated in Small Business Saturday, you might earn extra points or whatever on your American Express card. And it became so popular that other businesses uh, asked to join. So now it's become a nationwide thing and you hear the chambers of commerce and mayors and and folks from all over the country representing their towns big and small going out there encouraging people who are shopping for the holidays to remember to shop small business and today is small business saturday so for all those people who patronize your local small businesses many of them family owned we want to say thank you yes absolutely in the meantime what's going on in the headlines this week well in the headlines, do you remember a couple of weeks ago when we talked about the NATO military exercise landing in Iceland and 6,000 troops eventually leading to 50,000 soldiers showing up and drinking all the beer in Iceland? Do you remember that? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So uh, now a uh, brewery has stepped up and they have, uh, this is out of Finland, they're creating a beer to honor the U.S. troops who drank Iceland dry. And according to media in <laughs> Finland... Uh, the city's bars in Iceland uh, were completely unprepared. Uh, one brewery in Iceland was forced to send out emergency supplies. They noticed the situation was dire, so the Finnish brewery stepped up and they said, we're on the side of peace, and that is why we quickly decided to deploy what they call their peacemaker, Arctic <laughs> Pilsner. I love that name. Yes, exactly. All, all in the name of peace, yes. right? That's right. That's right. So uh, we will see how that goes. If anybody, as always, gets their hands on it, we'd love to sample it and let you know. We will share uh, what our thoughts are on the taste. What else is going on in the headlines? Thanksgiving's around the corner, and then Christmas, and then New Year's, and then what is the next 
unofficial national holiday. Super Bowl. Yeah. Super Bowl. It's so not it's the, not a na- it's not an official national holiday. What are you talking about? Justin? It's not official. No, they don't oh, shut down government for it. You, know, you don't get it. the next Monday off. We are already beginning to see news about the ads in the Super Bowl. Of course, Super Bowl ads are some of the most expensive in the country and Yellowtail Wine, they're the big huge uh, wine conglomerate that uh, produces a lot of wine out of Argentina and specifically Australia. They've announced a $5 million Super Bowl ad effort, $5 million bucks. Uh, they're saying that their sales have been strong. They are the middle price tier uh, product when it comes to wine. They move a tremendous amount of wine throughout the U.S. market. And uh, with the Super Bowl getting as many as 100 million viewers, uh, it's a pretty impactful way for them to reach the masses. And uh, they're also going to layer on top of that their 1.3 million social media followers across all of the platforms. And so this is the first announcement I've seen about a specific company announcing their intentions to participate in Super Bowl with $5 million worth of ads. Yeah, it really must tell you where their business is going. And I also loved the part of their campaign ideas to really get their their followers slash their people who enjoy their product involved, uh, because I think yeah. that's brilliant. It's incentive for both sides because you get your followers to create a lot of your content and also... Uh, advocate for it to be a part of your ad. So it seems pretty cool. It's along the lines of what Doritos has done in the past where they encourage people to make uh, and script TV commercials, and then they pick a winner, and they produce it for the winner, and then they run those winning ads during Super Bowl. So that is a way to get their loyal legions of fans involved. Absolutely. And lastly, uh, are any of you going to Las Vegas anytime soon? Hopefully. It's, yeah. Okay, no. Okay. Maura and I might well, take a vacation together. I, I'm, I wouldn't say no to that. <laughs> Most people don't go to Las Vegas to hit a museum, and Las Vegas has a few really interesting museums. I'm not going to go into detail about what that means, but you mm-hmm. can imagine, based on Vegas, there are some really interesting museums in Vegas. Some of them are off-color. This one in Las Vegas, they have opened a Prohibition-inspired distillery. It's in the basement. It uh, is called the Mob Museum in Vegas, appropriately oh, wow. named, given the history of Las Vegas. The National Museum of Organized Crime and Law Enforcement they are offering daily 30-minute tours of a new distillery. They uh, installed a whole distillery system there based on prohibition designs. starts every night at 5 p.m. During the tour, visitors receive an in-depth explanation of the equipment, the process. They learn about the impacts of prohibition on the industry, and they get a taste of a variety of products, including moonshine that they make there on the site. Uh, it's 100% corn moonshine, and it's bottled at 50% AB. B, ABV, yes. otherwise 100 proof. Participants also can purchase souvenir bottles at the end of the tour. It's 12 bucks a person. Again, a half-hour tour. Uh, sounds really interesting. And, uh, of course, layered in with just the mob history of uh, and prohibition in Vegas. That would be a really interesting tour to go on. So when you're ready to get away from all the action, hit up the Mob Museum in Las Vegas. Yeah, it should be noted that this isn't a dry museum. It's not like you have to submit to the conditions of prohibition. <laughs> Uh, It sounds really cool. It sounds like in itself it is uh, sort of a bar slash distillery slash you can get just about any drink that you want there and then also learn some of the cool history behind it in Vegas. That's a great way for a museum, in this case, to generate more buzz, literally, no pun, and uh, <laughs> to generate more foot traffic and generate more sales to support the museum. So it's it's a very good concept, and I uh, salute them for putting that package together. 
Well, speaking of learning important lessons about the alcohol you're drinking, up next on Cast Club Radio, we've got everything you've wanted to know about bourbon, but maybe you've been too afraid to ask. It's next on Cast Club Radio. Welcome back to Cast Club Radio. Thank you so much for joining us on this fine Saturday holiday weekend. And as you are probably well aware with the cold shifting temperatures outside and having to bundle up, we are moving full into uh, the the darker times of the year, the winter times of the year. And that usually means also a shift in what you're consuming beverage wise. It usually means a lot of people are shifting from even summer and fall drinks into darker alcohols, into perhaps bourbon for one. That was our topic of discussion today. And Justin, you are uniquely qualified to give us not only a little history lesson on bourbon, but how it should best be consumed at this time of year. Sure. So we make a few different uh, styles of bourbon and bourbon is uh, an American product. can only be distilled in the U.S. to call it bourbon. So uh, if somebody's making a corn-based whiskey in Canada or overseas in Asia or Europe, uh, they're not allowed to legally call it bourbon uh, in the U.S., so bourbon, kind of like tequila, is something that has uh, been captured and protected by the home country. And a few rules first for bourbon. Majority corn is what has to go in the recipe. It has to be brought off the still at less than 160 proof or 80% ABV when it comes off the still. And it has to go in new oak containers that are charred and cannot go in the container or barrel at higher than 120 proof. So those are the basic rules. Uh, now, a couple things that are key to that. The barrel or the oak container has to be brand new. Oftentimes in the wine industry and now in the beer industry and parts of the spirits industry, especially in Scotland, they use a lot of used barrels. But when it comes to bourbon, it's got to be brand new every time. And that's because the wood only contains so many acids and sugars and tannins and the things that uh, work to change the flavor and profile of the bourbon while it's in the barrel aging. A few things about the uh, age of bourbon, some misconceptions out there. If you see straight bourbon on the label, straight bourbon, what, do you, what does that mean to you, Laura, or Mara, or Lydia? I, I actually don't know. Yeah, straight bourbon. I, straight I, bourbon. You got me. All right. That just means it's been aged two years or more. Okay. I would have thought it would have to be longer than that, to be honest. Nope. You can uh, put the age statement on if it's older, if you choose, if it's less than two years, it requires an age statement. Some people say it's got to be three, it's got to be four, but the federal law says it's got to be aged two years if you want to call it straight bourbon. If you see bourbon that doesn't say straight, uh, that's probably an indication it's aged a little less. We we have um, a few of our bourbons are aged less than two years, and so they're not straight. We've got a couple of products that are aged uh, two years or more, and so we could call them straight if we wanted to. And also to clarify, I think maybe a common misconception is that bourbon has to come from Kentucky. I've heard some people say that when in just basic conversation, but it can actually be made anywhere in America? It can be made anywhere in the U.S. Yeah, so unlike Tennessee whiskey, Tennessee whiskey, if you want to call it Tennessee whiskey, like Jack Daniels is the mm-hmm. probably the most famous Tennessee whiskey out there. If you want to call it Tennessee whiskey, uh, it's made similarly to bourbon, but there's a couple extra wood and filtration selections that the state law requires them to do. Then you can say Tennessee whiskey in a label. If you want to call it bourbon, it doesn't matter what state it's in It is, uh, or what state it was made in. It's a function of the grain, how it came off the still, 
and, and the barrels it was put into. Those are the major components of bourbon. And that's because when people purchase bourbon, they expect it to have a specific type of flavor profile, different from scotch. Mm-hmm. If you have bourbon side by side with scotch, Scotch is made differently. It's distilled sometimes differently than bourbon. Different raw ingredient because it's usually um, mostly uh, malted barley as the base instead of corn. And it's aged in bigger used barrels. So the wood profile is completely different. The flavor profile is completely different. Uh, Historically, bourbon has come from Kentucky. But now with almost 2,000 distilleries across the U.S. uh, just in the last four or five years, that number has blown up uh, a few hundred percent. Just the growth is tremendous, and lots of, of these craft distilleries like us are making various uh, variations of whiskeys, some of which are bourbons and rye, and uh, now the emergence of American single malt whiskey. So when you have something like BSB, like a, a bourbon that has a flavor, when is that added in the process? Mm. That's For us, that's added in afterwards. And actually, BSB is one of those products where we get a lot of emails. People um, who are whiskey aficionados mm-hmm. will email and say, you can't call that bourbon, uh, brown sugar wow. bourbon. So we have to sit and kind of walk them through uh, the legality of it. So any flavored whiskey starts as a whiskey. Whiskey is one big umbrella category. In the U.S., there are 41 types of whiskeys specifically recognized by the federal government, each with its own recipe. Wow. Bourbon is one, rye is another, single malt whiskey is another, and so on. And so uh, for bourbon, again, it's majority corn and, and how it comes off the still and how it's aged. So we then take the bourbon. It's bourbon. At that point, it meets all the rules for bourbon. And then we uh, put in the cinnamon and brown sugar flavor into it. And we then go to the federal government and we share with them the recipe and we share with them the label and we say we want to call this brown sugar bourbon and uh, we uh, put all the documentation together and we put the text on the label that says at the bottom bourbon whiskey flavored with brown sugar and natural cinnamon. So you mentioned the federal requirements there too but also earlier we talked just a little bit about state requirements when it comes to Tennessee whiskey is there also a process of what you have to what's required by Washington or also Oregon since you're in Oregon So uh, there's no requirement for labeling the feds typically take supremacy federal alcohol act where they take the the lead position to say, we are enforcing these rules nationwide, and here are the rules that uh, uh, impact all beer, wine, spirits, gotcha. cider nationwide. Um, a state can impose more strict requirements, like the case of Tennessee, but in Washington and in Oregon, they have no such rules or laws governing how products are labeled or made or advertised, and uh, it's primarily because the federal laws are so good and everybody understands them and they all follow them but it's also because uh the industry is still somewhat new in the northwest and you know 20 years ago who would have thought people would be making bourbon um yeah. in oregon mm-hmm. or uh or vodka or anything this is still quite new territory we're all charging ahead under kind of pioneering it that's that's for sure Another big question that we had here, is it one of those things where you don't want to be a slave to to a certain age? Like you mentioned, uh, you really have to go by taste and by your own experience of whether it's, yeah, just going to a tasting room and, and finding out what you're looking for. 
Absolutely. So there's a, a few ways to do that, too, is you can, uh, uh, if you're just trying to get into bourbons, and we find this especially with uh, millennials who are moving away from beer and moving into bourbon or, or spirits because they're just advancing their palate. We've talked about this before as well. Uh, women in droves are moving into spirits, especially whiskeys. They are setting up all sorts of meetups and uh, dinner events because they want to join fellow women and explore the wonderful world of whiskeys. Um, the trick is to first don't break the budget by going off and buying a bunch of bottles of stuff. Uh, go to a friend's house, check out their bar, sample mm-hmm. some of what they have, and just kind of yeah. enjoy yourself a little bit. Sign up for some of these whiskey tasting events. Uh, some of the restaurants that are in each region, especially the steakhouses, this time of year, uh, they will have these great whiskey dinners where you will pay maybe 100 bucks for the ticket, you'll get the full meal with the steak and whatever, and you might get access to five, six, ten, twenty different bourbons or whiskeys you get a sample uh, without breaking the budget. Uh, in the winter after New Year's, there are going to be a slew of these bourbon and bacon fests and other bourbon festivals coming off because uh, people, again, want something to do after the holidays. And that's a great chance for you for really as little as 50 bucks to go in and sample probably 20 or 30 different spirits to see what you like. And uh, then lastly, you know, hit up tasting rooms. In Washington, we got 110 distilleries. In Oregon, there's uh, 60 of them. Uh, again, with 2,000 distilleries across the U.S., go find some tasting rooms, especially with family and friends coming in for all holidays. And, of course, uh, the Bourbon Trail in Kentucky continues to get bigger and bigger every year. Distilleries are announcing $100-plus million projects every quarter, major expansions of brands, um, and the Whiskey Trail has become one of the singular top destinations for uh, whiskey aficionados in the world. Well, if you're looking to just you know dip your toe in it today, we are going to have a great cocktail recipe for you that involves um, delicious bourbon later in the hour. So that will be uh, to wrap our show up. But up next on Cast Club Radio, but up next on Cast Club Radio, one of our favorites, she's back. It's Alexandra Hadeen from Weeknight Society next on Cast Club Radio. Welcome back to Cast Club Radio. Right now, we're joined by one of our favorites, local entertaining and lifestyle expert, Alexandra Hedin. Thank you so much for coming in again. Thank you so much for having and me. And blessing us with your presence. Wow, we love I it. I just love to come and <laughs> be so complimented by yes. you. Sorry? <laughs> it's easy to do. For people that don't remember, you've been on the past. Uh, can you give us a little background, quick background refresher on, I asked you before this, what title you like to be referred to because there's so many. You don't just have one job. I don't. Uh, no. And that's whenever someone's like, tell us what you do. Yeah. I feel like I drag on for 20 minutes. Uh, <laughs> no. The short answer is that I have an app called Weeknight Society. That's a weeknight menu planning and recipe app for busy families. So it's healthy dinners in about 20 minutes. And that's where my passion lies because I love food and I love cooking and I love families. So from that, I also do appearances on television. I do work for magazines and I have my own blog on alexandrahedin.com. Which also you should visit. What's on the What's on the blog right now is the focus really on holidays because, of course, that's on everybody's mind. Yeah, from like September on, all we have is like 500 holidays. Yeah, so right? <laughs> that's kind of where things are driving. And with my background in simple food, this time of year is perfect for me because everyone's looking for ways that they can make Thanksgiving easier, maybe a little healthier, and just different other than 
mashed potatoes and green bean casserole, which are delicious, but sometimes we like to mix it up. Absolutely. So looking ahead to Christmas or Hanukkah and planning for the December months, what are some of the pro tips for, let's say, hosting a get together, whether it is uh, what you're making or just throwing the party itself? So there's a couple of top tips. One, I think everyone should make a punch when you're going to have a party. Ooh, I like that. Because yeah. one, it's super festive, right? It's on yeah. the table and it's exciting and everyone loves it. But it means that you're not hosting a bar. You're not constantly pouring cocktails and taking orders and worrying about refreshing drinks. There's a punch bowl and you fill it a couple times a night and it's just good to go and done. Probably so I think more cost that, effective in the long run yeah. too, right? Yes. Yeah. Because if you buy all the alcohols that you're going to have out on the bar, some get drunk, some don't, but you mm-hmm. spend all the money on all of them. So I feel like a punch is just the best. I love a good punch. Plus, like you mentioned, it's almost an aesthetic thing. It's almost a a centerpiece. It completely anchors the party. Yes. (laughs) I like it. And then do a cocktail party with lots of appetizers. It's the easiest way to entertain people. Choose three and just go big. Make a bunch of them and then have a little cheese platter with cheese and salami and grapes because that will be plenty of food for everyone if you have some appetizers and a big cheese platter and you didn't bust yourself making a hundred different things and little tiny intricate things. Make a few simple ones. I really like that. What is the best gift uh, for someone who might be coming to one of these parties to bring the hostess? Because that's always important. So the most important thing is to bring something that they don't have to do anything with right away. So if you bring flowers that are not in a vase, now the hostess has to drop what they're doing uh, and go wow. find a vase and fill it and maybe trim them to fit and get so you've suddenly given them a task instead of a <laughs> gift. Yeah. So I think the most important thing is to find things that they don't have to do anything with. They can just accept, say thank you and tuck it away in a corner or if it's a beautiful bouquet of flowers, they can put it out on the table, but it's just managed in that moment. Because time becomes so precious when you are the hostess. Yes. What is one of your go-tos that you like to bring when you're going to other parties? I would imagine that you throw all of these amazing parties, so maybe it's people bringing it to you. But when you are a guest, what's one of your go-to things? I have a girlfriend who is literally the best gift giver ever. And she has one of those gift closets that's obscenely huge and has like everything for every hostess gift ever. Wow. So my favorite one is a small cheese board with some pretty cheese knives because you can always use it. Every person who throws a party has a reason for a cheese board. And it's just a really easy gift that they can say thank you and tuck it away and go return to it for their next party, hopefully next week. But my girlfriend who does gifts has fabulous Turkish towels that she always has and those are a great gift because who can't use another nice looking dish towel? Especially if you're going to throw a party, you don't want your scuzzy dish towels that you use every day being the ones <laughs> hanging out in the kitchen. Let's clean those up. Yes. And those are also things that maybe someone wouldn't necessarily buy for themselves. Exactly. I always think they're maybe like mm-hmm. you think of them as a little luxury item, but when they're a, a gift from a friend, they're very welcome. Yes. Is there a certain cocktail that's been, you know, around your dinner table or that you've really been experimenting with or loving right now? So my favorite punch recently, because of course we're going to serve a punch, right? We just talked about that. Uh, (laughs) My favorite punch right now is with Honeycrisp apple cider. I feel like it's so evocative of the season to have that apple cider flavor. So I've been doing Honeycrisp apple cider with vodka, Bianco vermouth, and then topping it with a ginger ale. And I prefer the dry sparkling ginger because it's like gingerier than a regular ginger ale. And it is such a good cocktail. And for a punch bowl, float a few apple slices on top and it looks really pretty too. 
That's so funny. We had Erin James from Cidercraft on last week, and she gave us a cider-themed uh, cocktail as well. And I was like, I've never thought to use cider in a cocktail. I just drink it by itself. But <laughs> it sounds delicious. Now mm-hmm. I've got these options. And perfect. Yeah, I was going to say, it sounds really festive as well, because those are things that you'd almost maybe consume on their own around this time of year. Exactly. So I like that. Do you, uh, do you do the hand pressing of the apples yourself? Are you that person? Or do you just you just go to the farmer's market? Or? I always hate to admit when I am that person, and I am that person. When I was a kid growing up, my grandfather had an apple press. And so we pressed apple cider with my grandparents every year. And when they passed away, my cousins got the apple press and my sister and I were really disappointed. So my dad surprised us several years ago with an apple press that's like for our family so that we can press apples too. So we now press apples with my kids every fall and we have our own apple cider and Yes. So we are those people. You should not be ashamed of that. That's great. And it's a great story. And it goes exactly with what we were talking about, where you love things that involve food, but also involve family. And when you can get your family involved to the food making process, uh, that's pretty cool. Well, that's 90 percent of it. The way that you're going to get your kids to try new food and to eat different things is to get them involved in the process. Yeah. Are they big fans these days? I mean, we've talked in the past. Are they uh, getting more involved with the cooking process? Oh, yeah. So my oldest child loves to cook. He is always wanting to be in the kitchen and doing things. And he just made dinner this last weekend. He came up with the menu and cooked it himself and did the whole thing. It was really darling. But my younger two have been watching Chopped Junior. Yeah. (laughs) So now they are pretty sure that they're going to be on Chopped Junior one day. And they might be, man. Who knows, right? That's awesome. Well, since we're talking holidays, I know one of my favorite things when I was younger was making Christmas cookies with my mom and it it's fun for the kids but I think it may be can be a little bit stressful for the parents like what's the best way to go about baking cookies with children so when I make like sugar cookies with my kids that we're going to decorate I usually make the cookies ahead without them involved and then I have the baked cookies and we sit around and decorate those because that's the most fun part for the kids yes and there's so many steps like you make the dough and then you refrigerate the dough and then you cut out the dough and then you have to let it, the cookies cool. And my kids have no patience to sit around yeah. for that the basically whole day of tasks. Yeah. So if we can just sit and decorate cookies together, that's the fun part anyway when you're actually having a conversation with your kids. And and then I'll usually keep like 10 aside so I can decorate them and make them really pretty. <laughs> because I know what they're going to make is not going to be pretty for me. And I need my OCD to be off their cookies. <laughs> and we have had those very sugar cookies and they are works of art. Yeah. yeah the first are. time we met you, you brought us gorgeous Valentine's Day cookies. Oh, yes. They were love sugar cookies. amazing. <laughs> me too. So going back to the idea of keeping things simple, simple in the holidays aren't usually two things that go in my mind together. I love my mom and she is an amazing cook, but she tends to get stressed out around the holidays. Not intentionally. She'll always go into the holiday being like, all right, we're going to do a little less. We're going to... We're going to take it down this We're going to, yeah, simplify. And yet it usually always creeps up on her somehow. What are your tips for maybe keeping things as stress-free or as simple as you possibly can? So planning ahead is 99% of that. And for me, it means that I am... uh, wrapped and done by December 1. Oh, so (laughs) I'm in full Christmas shopping mode while Halloween is still happening. Like I am figuring out what I'm going to buy people and who's going to have a sale coming up and what I want to do. Because I, if I save Christmas gifting until the last minute, I'm going to be a basket case. So for me, Mm -hmm. I need that to be off my plate before December even starts. And then 
I feel like I'm in a pretty good place and I am okay. But it's also because I plan ahead fairly dramatically. And then I also know <laughs> when my parties are and who do I need a gift for so that by the time I get to December, I feel like I can actually be present at Christmas versus feeling so chaotic. Yeah, you want to enjoy those moments as opposed to thinking about what you don't have done. Exactly. Yeah. Making lists. <laughs> well, since we've talked to you last, even even since then, it wasn't that long ago, but the app is really making strides. Yes. Which is cool to see. It has been so exciting to see people getting really engaged with the app and not just downloading it and having it on their phone, but actually using it because Weeknight Society can help you with your weeknight menu planning on Sunday so you are planned and prepared. So if the holidays start creeping up too fast, you already know what you're doing for dinner. So it's a great way to keep yourself on task and know what you're serving and feel like you're not ordering a pizza because you've forgotten it's 520 and your kids are hungry. <laughs> Can you think of one positive feedback comment that you've gotten from somebody who's, you know, this has either helped them or helped their family out? can't really come up with one specific. Oh, yeah. I, um, I, I felt very excited to hear things like, my family has actually been eating dinner together. Or my kids tried something that I thought they would never try. And just those little comments where people are using this and it's doing what I had hoped it would do. Bringing families together, getting kids to eat good food, and having just that family time. That's so neat. When you can, uh, the realization of the creative dream is pretty cool. Yes, it's a pretty cool fabulous. thing. So where can people download it? Because while there may be a lot of people using it, we want more. Yes, we want more. <laughs> yeah. Everybody should use yeah. it. Uh, it's available in the iTunes store and you can go to weeknightsociety.com for all the information and tons of recipes too. So, Awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much, Alexandra Hedin of Weeknight Society and of course of alexandrahedin.com. We'll make sure you check all that. We'll post that information online as well. So we'll make sure you check it out. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you for having me. Well, now that we're in the holiday spirit coming up next, we're going to talk about what alcohol to bring to a holiday party, whether it's for a gift or to drink. We'll cover that next on Cast Club Radio. <laughs> Welcome back to Cast Club Radio. Well, many thanks to Alexandra Hadeen from Weeknight Society for joining us, giving us plenty of great tips for holiday entertaining, not only on how to host a great party, but how to be a great guest, because that is still something I'm working on constantly. She gave us a great tip this week, which was don't bring a gift that requires a lot of work for the host, whether it's flowers, bring them in a vase already to go, not just a bunch of flowers so that they have to scramble, find a vase and do more work <laughs> at their own party. So that was an eye opener for me. But speaking to our own holiday entertaining ideas, if you're going to a party with a, let's say a big beer lover, which there's plenty of those in the Pacific Northwest and everywhere, uh, there's a pretty cool idea that you could bring somebody, right, Justin? That's right. You've seen on uh, commercials and on uh, the cans of Coors, they have Coors, the banquet beer. I don't know if you've seen those TV ads. Mm -hmm. Well, Miller High Life now, not to be undone, has <laughs> come up with their own marketing ad this year. Miller High Life is the champagne of beers. Yeah. For this year, they are releasing a 750 mil champagne style bottle. So it's like a full bottle of champagne, but it is... Miller High Life, the champagne of beers. <laughs> I and, mean, that's uh, been their marketing slogan for so long. I love that they're actually, <laughs> yeah. you know, going through with it and making it a champagne-sized bottle of beer now. 
That's right. So the suggested retail price is only three forty nine for one of these things. Uh, it is beer, of course, so the alcohol content is lower, and uh, you know it's made by uh, Miller out of Milwaukee. Um, they said that it's going to be a limited run of bottles. The brand will only be releasing enough bottles they get through the holiday season. Finding the uh, fancy packaging should be easy because it looks like a champagne bottle, but it has the beautiful golden hued uh, color of mm. the beer with the red uh, kind of chevron on the front and it says Miller High Life, all the classic stuff. Unlike champagne, it doesn't have a cork. It's got a regular beer crown cap that you would pop off with a bottle opener. And uh, this, I think, is one of those things that will become one of those really funny white elephant gifts where you could yeah. bring it as kind of a joke because nobody expects you to give them a champagne magnum of uh, yes. beer. <laughs> of right? Miller High Life. Of, of $3.49. Yeah. And the 2018, yeah. such a good year for Miller High Life, yeah. right? <laughs> classic. It's so reasonable. You know, it's just a fun yeah, <laughs> fun thing to do. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, yeah. So uh, that's a lot of fun. And uh, if people have, it'd be awesome to see people posting videos of uh, folks opening their gift and finding that it's a champagne bottle of beer. Absolutely. Uh, high life. So yeah, love it. Live the high life. Yeah. Live the high life. <laughs> <laughs> so what what are your plans when you get invited to a Christmas or holiday party this this season? What are you bringing? Yeah, oh, that's a good question. I I always like to bring a bottle of of liquor and usually I like to tailor it to whoever's party I'm going to and bring not only uh, the bottle of liquor but I if I know that they like a specific cocktail I like to bring uh, everything to make said cocktail oh, that's um, nice. but but yeah that usually hopefully you know your host well enough to do that my mom is a huge mm-hmm. cocktail maker so that's always in the back of my mind she helps me sometimes with those those gifts but mm-hmm. how about you guys what's your good your go to like party gift that you bring as a guest oh yeah to do the bubbly Mm. i'm a big prosecco or champagne fan never go wrong with it yeah i think it's something that most people drink and you can find a reasonable bottle and it just makes it seem more like a celebration it is you Mm -hmm. you kiss can't Mm -hmm. go wrong with bubbles that's for sure justin you probably have more than a few parties going on in your household and i know jennifer is the queen hostess but what do you guys bring when you go to a party we will bring wine. We'll bring wine uh, in a really cool bag, um, like a gift bag. Like you, we will sometimes bring uh, what we call the cocktail bucket. So it has oh, the yeah. spirits and it has whatever the mixers are to go in and, and kind of a cool uh, packaging so that the host or hostess can reuse it. We'll bring advent calendars. Yes. Uh, the spirits advent <laughs> calendars, we use those as gifts. Uh, sometimes people uh, will have parties where when you show up to the party and you knock on the door or ring the doorbell when they open it up, the host or host actually makes you close your eyes and they hold out the advent calendar and you have to pick one at random and then get that and enjoy that for the evening. So the advent calendar gets used all at one time, but everybody has a good time because you don't know what you're going to get out of it. And I liked, we've talked about it last year too, was the sort of cocktail making challenge. You know, if you're really into it and you've got uh, some people that are foodies and love to do cocktails, you can have sort of a, you know, grab into the bowl, pick out one from the advent calendar and design design it it's like your own version of chopped or yeah. whatever yeah i love that that's right and um if uh, i've got a couple of gag gifts that i found this oh, year so okay. one of my buddies one of my buddies his favorite uh, christmas movie is uh christmas vacation national lampoon's christmas vacation okay and uh have you, either of you seen that movie it's been a long time yes. i have but yeah it's okay. a classic okay 
It's a classic. Okay, so uh, in one scene, uh, Eddie uh, and the wife, you know, they rolled in the town with the RV. And the next morning, he's emptying the, the sewer holding tank into the uh, street sewer, right? Mm-hmm. Remember that scene? <laughs> I found a little figurine of that, and so I'm going to give that to my buddy. And then uh, <laughs> if you've seen if you've seen uh, the old classic movie, Christmas Story, mm-hmm. uh, oh, where course. Ralphie wants to wants to get the uh, the Red Rider BB the gun Red Rider. and the whole thing, okay? We found the leg lamp uh, that the dad yes. won in the contest. We had one at so the bar I worked that. at in Colorado. Yeah. Classic. <laughs> so I got one. I got one, and I'm bringing it to a friend's house as a gag gift, and I'm not going to leave until they take it out of the box, and put plug the light bulb in, in yes. plug yeah. it in, and turn it on. But it's got to be in the front window of the house for the whole neighborhood to see. That's how it goes. I love it. Yeah. Those are great. <laughs> that's the kind of friend I am, so be careful if you invite me to your house. Right? No, that's good. You need the friends <laughs> that are going to like bring you lighthearted. If someone brings me something too fancy and nice, then I'm, right. I don't even know what to I'm do. I'm worried it's going to break. I can't yeah. take it out. I'm, I agree. You I'd need, much rather laugh. You need some laughs around the holiday season. Got to be irreverent. We'll yes. A <laughs> well, you mentioned you bring wine, but I'm sure also people would not turn down if you brought them some BSB or if you brought them some bourbon, and that would help this week because... We have a great bourbon-related cocktail for people to make. We do. We make a dual-barrel, old-fashioned, ready bourbon and a rye. This, uh, the old-fashioned ready, is uh, what we use, uh, take the bourbon out of the barrel. We then put in the barrel vodka and orange peel to make orange extract. Uh, when that's ready, we pull it out. That orange extract has this amazing coating on the wood, so we'll put the bourbon in back in. Let it sit for a while, let the molecules of the orange extract kind of meld with the bourbon, and it's, we call it old-fashioned ready. And it's amazing. It's 92 proof, and when you open it and pour a glass, uh, you can just smell hints of the orange that really play nicely with what comes out of the wood uh, in the traditional bourbon. But when you put a fresh orange peel in and you muddle it and the oils come out, they release and they, they bind with the orange essence that's in there, and it makes a really deeply rich old-fashioned. So we're doing uh, this old-fashioned with our dual-barrel Old Ready bourbon. Uh, we take a half a piece of vanilla bean and take a one inch of orange zest that you've peeled off the orange peel, quarter ounce of simple syrup, and a couple dashes of orange bitters. Uh, and, and you're going to mix that all together in a glass with ice and put in your two ounces of the old-fashioned ready bourbon. And you're just going to sit and enjoy a classic American cocktail around the happiest time of the year. Wow, that sounds awesome. I love it. You, you get this, you get your gag gifts ready, and you've got yourself one heck of a party. <laughs> That's right. And be sure to call Uber. Yes. yes. Oh, yes. And as always, be be safe around these holidays. Well, if people want to check out this recipe, as always, you can uh, go online to heritagedistilling.com where we post all of the recipes from Cast Club Radio. You can also access uh, episodes of the podcast. If you've missed out on one, we don't want you to. So you can go ahead and download all of those available at heritagedistilling.com. That's right. And don't forget your Advent calendars. There's still time to get the Spirits Advent calendar before December 1, so you can be Adventing properly with all the friends and family. (laughs) Love it. Everybody have a great weekend. We'll see you next week. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Cask Club Radio, brought to you by Heritage Distilling. Check us out on MyNorthwest.com to learn more and catch up on past episodes. Cask Club Radio, brought to you by Heritage Distilling.